Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Gomez. And in this episode, I interview a former teacher who chose to remain anonymous. She's still teaching, but in a less traditional setting. She is now working inside of a state prison. We talk all about her role as a teacher in a prison, what the actual application process was like, and who this would be or would not be a good fit for. I'm going to, for the sake of this interview, call you Jane. (laughs) Hi, Jane. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thanks for having me. I always start off with asking about your experience in education and, you know, what made you want to become a teacher and how long were you teaching for? So I actually always used to tell my students this. I never wanted to be a teacher. My mom was a teacher and I had her as my teacher in middle school because I went to a small school and everyone, she was the teacher that everybody had for the subject she taught. So I never wanted to be a teacher. But then when I got to college, my senior year, my parents would call every week, like every Sunday. And my dad, about halfway through my senior year, he was like, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I finally, I was like, oh my God, I really do like kids, but like, fine, I'll be a teacher. And so I kind of fell into it that way. And I I loved it while I was teaching. And so I got my credential in something totally different from what my mom taught. I taught for 16 years at the same school, uh, middle school. I loved it. It was a super special thing. And older teachers at the school told me, like, this is a special place. Like, you won't find this in other places. And during the pandemic, we happened, my family moved to a different part of the state. And I got a job in our new place where we were. And I hated it. And I don't know if it was pandemic, but it was a very different culture, similar size school, similar-ish demographics. I was teaching the same thing, but I hated it. And so I taught, overall, I taught for like 19 and a half years. 
in public. So in the school where you were not happy, you were there for a couple of years then? I was there for two and a half years. Yeah. What made you ultimately start thinking about just different careers altogether instead of maybe trying to find a completely different school district? Well, so when I, because I had been in this, the district that I originally started in, like I said, I was there for 16 years. Um, it was a very high paying district and I had been there for 16 years. So I was high up on the pay scale. When I moved in the new district would only give credit for five years. So I lost a huge amount of money and I knew that moving and I thought it would be fine. And it wasn't. I couldn't get over the fact that I was doing the same work as other people who had taught just as long, but I was paying, being paid, you know, dollars $40,000 less than them. And I was bitter and I didn't feel valued. That would make me feel so wild. Yeah. Just knowing that just that little move from a school district and that it didn't transfer over. Uh, yeah. And there's not a lot that you can do. That's the system itself. It's not your admin. Even if they loved you, they wouldn't be able to make that call and change something in the pay scale for you. Yeah. But that's very uh, defeating. When I was offered the position, I told the principal, that principal that hired me, that it was an issue. And I was like, is there any, again, this is like in April of 2020. So we're in the middle of the pandemic, right in the beginning. And I asked if there was any way he could see if HR, because I had heard that some district will negotiate coming in. He did. And they said no. But, you know, then later I found out that, you know, if you had a special ed credential, you got an extra 10 grand or you got an extra five years on the pay scale and all this stuff. And yeah, I just, I couldn't get over it. And it really bothered me. And it was a super, super stressful environment. It was a very different, like I said, from where I came from. And I was just incredibly unhappy. And I had never been unhappy like that with teacher. I mean, of course, the hard years and, you know, you have hard students and hard, hard situations, but I, it wasn't an overall just unhappiness. And again, part of it could have been the isolation of teaching during the pandemic. The district I moved to went back really quickly. So there was a lot of kind of fear and unknowing of everything that was going on. But even though we were back in person, there were, there wasn't a lot of contact between colleagues. So I didn't get to know people that quickly, but yeah, so it was that it was, and the first year so we came back, it was that first, after that initial three months of pandemic. So it was the first, it was in fall of 2020. I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a chance because it's a pandemic and it may get better. And, you know, the pandemic has made everything crazy. And so I made it through that first year and it was fine. And then coming back the second year, it was really hard and I was unhappy. And that was, that was actually when I found teacher career coach and I started doing the classes and you know, exploring other options and started applying and thinking, you know, okay, I've been a teacher for this long. What else can I do? Yeah. So you ended up finding our resources and you were also inside of the course, correct? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I went through the whole course and used, I love the resume stuff, like the transition resume. And I had people in my family that were in, you know, a lot of resources that were helping, but it was all nice because it was corroborating like the stuff in the program. When you were looking for different careers, mm -hmm. so one of the things that it sounded like it was really important for you is to find something that was similar in pay to probably that pay scale that you had left behind. Yeah. Did you find yourself narrowing it down to certain career types based on like uh, pay scale? And what did that look like for you? A little bit. I mean, I definitely, 
I also wanted to find something that I didn't hate. Mm -hmm. It's like the main thing. But yeah, I was definitely looking at sort of the ed tech stuff. I was looking at, you know, companies that I had used in the classroom that I really liked and respected. Like I had, and I went on, I had several interviews. Like I had one with one company and I told my husband, I was like, I don't think I'm going to get it because I didn't, like I liked their program, but like I wasn't going to be like all in and like gush about, like I thought it was okay. And, and I just, I couldn't fake it. I'm not as, I realized sales was not a thing for me because I'm not good at faking it. But yeah, so I definitely did look at pay. And there were some times where I considered stuff that was a lot less because just it was something different. But I was holding out hope that I could find something that was similar in pay. And that is hard because I had, you know, 19 years of experience and it's hard to replicate that. So you ultimately ended up actually leaving to find a role teaching in a state prison. Is that correct? Yes. How did you find this position? And was that something that was even on your radar during the transition process? Not at all. So actually, this I think it's a funny story. I was actually on my state's, like the state union Facebook page. And there was something, there were like, it was during the pandemic, there were layoffs. And it was a post about the irony of like, they're laying off teachers, but like we need teachers. And someone in the comments wrote, if you need a job, come teach at a state prison. We're always hiring. And I was like, huh, I had no idea there were teachers in prisons. Like it just was not on my radar, but I do live fairly close to a state prison. And I happen to know someone who's a clinical psychiatrist in the prison system in my state. And I asked her if she'd ever heard of teachers. And she was like, oh yeah, she's like, I've met a few and they really like it. And I was like, this is wild. So I looked, I just like Googled like on our state jobs page and found it and then figured out the system for applying and went through everything. Yeah. And that's something that probably has not been on that many people's radar as a potential. My first year teaching, me and my coworkers had the whisper conversations that just kept getting louder and louder in the back of my head until I finally left the classroom altogether. But the whisper conversations were, is this really what we're going to do for the rest of our life? Like, is this really our forever career? Something something else out there has to be similar to this, but a little bit better or higher paying or something that's going to be a better long-term fit. And one of the positions that she applied for was uh, the exact same position. And I remember us looking at the salary, and this was, we were in a lower paid district, mm-hmm. but it, the difference, it was like $30,000 more immediate increase from having a master's degree and teaching in an elementary school to going into this program. And I think... There are so many similarities, but I know that there's so many different ways that people probably want to hear reassurances if they're interested in this position about whether or not it is a good fit or whether or not you feel unsafe before we get into like what your day-to-day looks like and how you actually feel about the role, though. I'd love to hear a little bit about the actual application process because state positions usually do have, and we talk about this in the course, they have some of the similarities as like a education position where they may ask for references. There may be more strenuous background checks than just a regular position, potentially doing drug tests and all of those types of things. I'd love to hear what that looked like when you were applying for this position. Sure. Yeah. 
So yes, it's a bureaucracy. You know, you think school districts are bureaucratic, but like a state is a much bigger entity. So it was a process. And I actually, before I found out about this, I had thought, well, I'm going to apply to other state jobs because the state jobs secure and there's benefits and stuff. So I was looking and it is a little bit onerous, like the whole, like what you have to do. So yeah, so I found teacher positions. I sort of backtracked and realized that in my state, you have to fill out like a general application, but then you have to get approved through the state as a teacher. Like you have to have a teaching credential and it's the way my state calls it like an exam, like quote unquote exam, but it's not, it's really like a survey that you fill out. And this is all on paper. Yes. We're in the digital age, but like I literally had to print a thing and like check box and it's just, it's asking about your experience and pretty much the only thing that I didn't have. And you rated your, it was basically you rated yourself. Like, you know, have you, do you have experience classroom management? Would you say you have one to three years, three, you know, three to five years, more than five years. And like, you check yourself. So again, because I taught for a long time, I was like, yep, done that, done that, done that. The only thing I didn't have experience in was teaching in an alternate setting. But I, I had always just taught in a right, taught in a regular public school. So that was the only thing. So that was a whole process. So the way that the state does, they post the job positions and there's usually like a two week filing period. And so I found a job at the prison nearest to me, but then you had to, before you could be considered for the job, you had to have sent this stuff into the state. So I sent my packet to the state that took six to eight weeks to get approved, but you can still apply even without that. Uh, because the hiring process through the prison takes a long time. I, let's see, the first time I applied, I was called for an interview, but it was like months later, like literally. And that's the thing, like state jobs take, can, it can be both. I've heard of some people being hired really quickly for me. Like the first time I think I applied in March and I was called for an interview in May, I think in May. So when I interviewed the first time I had to bring in like a lesson, like a math lesson. And my background is like social studies and English. So I had to bring in a math lesson. So I was a little nervous about that because I'm not a math teacher. The interview is fine. Again, because of the state, they have a list of questions they ask you and they tell you, they're like, we can't deviate from this. So the panel is three people. They ask you the questions. They take turns. You're able to ask questions of them, but it's not, you don't get like a, touchy-feely like it's not like a happy like oh yeah I think I got it like it's very bureaucratic and then I asked them at the end they're like you should hear in two to four weeks and one of the guys on the panel was like or it could be longer and I was like okay I did not hear anything for two weeks I didn't hear anything again in two weeks I started calling like once a week the HR contact and she kept telling me like no they're still deciding they're still deciding then the interview was in May. I think in August I called because I was starting the new school year. And so in August I called and they had changed the position. And so I had to reapply. <laughs> and so, oh, no. so that was a whole thing. So then I reapplied again and went through the whole process again. This time when I applied, it was a little faster. And then I got called for an interview like two weeks later. Within two weeks, they contacted me to schedule. I interviewed again. 
And then this time it was more, they were like, okay, you should hear something in eight weeks. And I did actually hear something in eight weeks. They offered me the position then, but again, that was contingent on me passing the background check. I had to get like a physical, like on, you know, they felt, make sure you can see and hear and stand up and stuff. And then it probably from the time I was offered the position, I think it was about eight weeks before I started. So it is not, it's not a fast process by any means. And within that time, that was during the school year. So once I was offered the position, I had to wait until I passed the background check. And then I had to request being released from my contract. Where I was. Mm-hmm. So you did end up ultimately leaving mid-year. Yes. In the application thing, I said, like, because when you go in, they say, you know, can we contact your current supervisors? And again, I said, you can contact my supervisor where I worked for 16 years. Like, that's fine. I Please don't contact my current supervisor. And they did. So that was a fun conversation with my principal at the time. He actually was okay. I mean, he wasn't thrilled with it, but he wasn't. I had made it much worse in my head. And this is one of the like worst case scenarios. Usually when they ask you, can we contact your current supervisor and you say no, they make note of that and they don't do it. Yeah. I would say the percentage of the time that that flies under the radar and they do 99 and this is a made up statistic <laughs> with no with no evidence, but just based off of all the conversations that I've had 99% of the time they're not going to have this call yeah. unless they are pretty much ready to hire you. Yeah. And it's usually just to verify employment. Yeah. So if your supervisor and you did not have a great rapport and they do try and say something, I believe that there are laws actually about that type of conversation as well. It's usually just to confirm whether or not is she telling the truth? Is this where she's actually working? And they basically have your contract ready to go. And it's very rare that they would call, sabotage your current position, and then not give you the position. But I know that that is something that could potentially happen. So I know that there's always exceptions to the rule. But usually you can feel very safe when you are putting that do not contact because people do not want to go through like any sort of lawsuits or just, you know, ruining your relationship if they don't ultimately end up giving you the position. People are pretty mindful of that. Yeah, it was, I think it's a pretty weird thing. And for me, yes, that was worst case scenario. It worked out fine, but yeah, I was not thrilled about it. But again, it worked out okay. (laughs) It was getting out of my contract, but it wasn't because of that. State positions are much more likely to ask for references. The majority of human resources, like hiring managers, companies, corporations, just your regular ones, even nonprofit agencies, aren't going to do that strict of a background check because they know if you wrote this person down, then they're just going to give you like, I'm going to call you. And that's going to be the person who's going to be like, she's the best because that's the phone number that you gave. And it's kind of a waste of everyone's time. But when it comes to education jobs, state jobs, it is something that they still really do kind of old school. When you were doing the interview process, do you feel like the teacher career coach course helped you with preparing for the interviews, even in those other positions, those ed tech positions? 
Yeah. But especially in this position as well, in order to like best stand out for the role, because it does sound like you did have other people who were applying for the role as well. Yeah, it definitely did. Like I did a lot of the practice kind of interview stuff and a lot of, and I, it's been a little while now, so I can't remember specifically, but like, I still have a whole notebook of like all my like job search stuff and my teacher career coach stuff and like all this stuff. Cause I would write down one of the things I did. And I think that was from teacher career coach. Like I would write down, okay, what are my strengths in this thing? Or what are, you know, here are potential like interview questions. Here are the things. And one of the things I realized is I like, did more interviews and it is, it's a whole process and it's not the most fun thing to like interview and not like something or to get rejected or what, but like, I realized I had to, okay, I got to showcase my stuff. And like, one of the things that I think teacher career coach helped with a lot was like making you reflect on what you did as a teacher and outside of that role. Cause so many, many of us do stuff outside and like, okay, I led this thing and I led this group and like, how can I make that appropriate for, you know, or, or into the corporate speech and stuff. And so, yeah, for both, for all the interviews I did, I definitely use that on anything that helped me. And it made me get better at doing the interviews. I don't think anybody likes to interview, maybe some people, but I didn't love it. I, I, I hate it. <laughs> I absolutely have never enjoyed it, but I feel <laughs> confident about it yeah. at this point. Yeah. And you start to get to a point where as much as interviews take away from your like daily routine and it's hard to schedule it when you're still working in the classroom oh, as yeah. well but the more you know your resume is standing out the more interviews you get right. and many people are struggling with that step of just not getting any interviews because they're using a resume that's not really optimized for the positions yeah. but once you start getting all these interviews you do get to be a little bit more selective and a little bit more choosy. And it starts to feel like, oh, I'm interviewing them on whether or not I like this job. You get to feel out one or two where, like you said, like this company didn't have a product that you were necessarily in love with. And you could feel that energy. I remember I had one that I applied for and I was like, Oh, I don't really see the value (laughs) in this. It was like, it was like a video game that just had like regular like math problems kind of thrown onto a video game and the video game itself like felt very like 90s so it was still it was a tech startup that was really trying to like oh we're gonna create this technology-based app but there's just so many other products that were so much better for like engagement in math and for (laughs) students to have their own experience that when I was interviewing I was like okay the pay for this isn't that great and then also I don't feel like I could talk about it very much. But then the ed tech companies that I did end up working for were things I could genuinely feel good talking about and sharing with other people how they were helpful. When you start moving into the world of teaching in a prison, did you automatically connect with the mission of what you would be doing inside of the prison setting? Or was that something that was a little bit challenging for you to like wrap your brain around whether or not it was going to be a good fit and like intrinsically motivating in the same way. So for me, when I realized that like teaching in a prison was a thing, it felt like a relief to me because I was like, oh my God, I could still teach, but it's just going to be totally different. Mm -hmm. My husband was less excited about it. Like he was like, "Mm, does that really 
safe. Like, like he definitely had more concerns and I was like, no, 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 our friend says it's fine. Like, but for me, it really, I was like, because the thing is, I always loved teaching. I just hated the environment where I was for the, at the end of my public school teaching. And so to me, it was like, oh my God, I could still teach, but it's not, it's just going to be different. It's a totally different environment. What was really appealing to me is that there were no parents. Like, I don't have parents calling me about their prison students. Like, like that's, that's, you're not allowed to talk to the parents. After teaching through COVID, that was really, and it, teaching through COVID was very political. And so that was really nice to me. Like, oh, okay, there's no parents. There's also no, like, after school duties. Like, it's a state job. You work eight hours. So it is, it's like a straight eight. So the hour, I mean, the technical hours that I have to be at work are a little bit longer than in public school, but I'm not taking anything home. I don't take stuff home to grade. I don't, you know, like when I'm done, if it doesn't get done at work, it doesn't get done at work. Like I'll work on it the next day. So the students that you're teaching is there like a requirement that they have to take the classes uh, just based on whether or not they finished high school? Like what is the requirement for them? So that's the mostly, and I don't know what kind of, because there's a lot of higher ups than me, but I don't know exactly what the policy, but my understanding is that if they don't have a high school diploma or a GED, they are put into education. I would say for most of my students, they want to be there. There are some that don't, and they're very clear about that, but generally they come if they don't want to get written up. So I have different levels of participation. But again, these are grown men. They can make their own decisions. So there's also another reason that was appealing to me is that I figured discipline would be better in a prison than the public school where I was. That was one of the huge things is discipline did not exist at the school that I came from most recently. It did at my school where I was for 16 years did not exist at all where I was. And that was one of my frustrations. And I'm much happier at the prison with that. (laughs) So you actually feel a little bit like more safe and supported in this environment? And way more respected, honestly, as a teacher. Like even the students that don't want to be there, they're polite. They know it's not me. I haven't assigned them. They've been put in my class. They're there. I don't have, you know, I don't have kids arguing with me. I don't, you know, they just do it they're supposed to do. There's no like power struggles or I know I'm going to be able to push your buttons and do this because there's not anything you can do about it, which is what so many teachers struggle with in the traditional setting. Are you also having moments where you're really breaking through with some of your students and having really great connecting moments and moments that you're really excited about and happy with the progress that you're making? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like, so in one sense, I'm like, and I don't know how much we want to get into this, but like, in one sense, if you've read anything about like prison reform movement movements or, you know, the justice system in the United States, like if you really dig down into why some of these people are in prison, like it's kind of sad, like, you know, it, they didn't finish school for various reasons, maybe of their own, maybe their parents. But so I was teaching one class where a student was real weak on fractions. And so I was teaching, doing kind of, and I try to approach it like, and I tell my students, like my background is not math. Math, I always did fine in math, but 
it took me a lot. And so I tell because a lot of them, again, these are grown men. Some of them have been out of school for 20, 30, 40 years. They haven't had a lot of fractions. And so I tell them like, it's, you know, we're going to get it. We'll do it. It will take as long as it takes some, we'll get it. And so I had done a lesson. I had one guy that really wasn't, he needed more review with fractions. So I sat down with him and he was a little frustrated. And I was like, it's fine. Like we'll work through it. And I spent an hour and we went through and we practiced reducing fractions and he just kept at it and he wasn't giving up. And by the end, he looked at me, he's like, thank you. He's like, I was going to give up on myself. And like, you helped me. And now he like asks for like practice and what happens a lot and not with everybody, but like he found another guy in his housing block that helps him with math. And so he, uh, he's like, can you give me more so that I can practice? And cause someone's was helping me. And so to me, that's kind of like, Oh, okay. Like that's helping them. And there's a lot with like adult education that like, if you read any of this stuff, like adult minds, like even though he needed review with fractions, which we think fractions, you learn that in, you know, whatever grade, but because they're older, we can tie like experiences together more. And so he got it really quickly, much faster than like, if you're teaching it to, you know, whatever age they learn fractions. Usually about fourth grade, yeah. fourth, fifth grade. Yeah. So, but yeah, that kind of stuff where it's like, oh, okay. I, like I helped them. Like, yes, I feel good about that. Even just knowing that there's, you know, groups of them practicing on their own would make me feel like my teacher heart exploded when you <laughs> said that. Also some pregnancy hormones maybe kicked in. I teared up a little but. It is still a way to give back. And there are still are so many people who want to figure out a way to continue to teach, but in a different environment. And I do think that this would be a good fit for especially those who are really committed to trying to make a change and to impacting people's lives and trying to help them turn their lives around for the better. Curious what this looks like for you and your family, though. Like when you come home, are there days where you're completely stressed and burned out? Are there those same types of feelings that many teachers are struggling with where all they can do is think about work or what they're going to teach the next day? No, not at all. (laughs) Like, No, and that has been a huge relief. So the one thing that is different is that, again, it's eight hours. You can't have your cell phone, no cell phones in prison. So cell phone stays in the car. So that is hard because I am not reachable by text during the day. So that was definitely an adjustment. My kids are a little bit older. I could see if you had little kids that might be more of a problem. I am accessible. Like I do have an outside phone line in my classroom. So like my family knows how to get a hold of me, but I'm not, you know, if my kid calls, I'm not like talking to them in front of inmates because you don't do that. There is definitely a line between what you share with inmates and what you do not. And then also there's a potential and with younger students, this might not or with younger kids at home, this might be a bad fit or just with people who feel very anxious about it. But there is a potential for lockdowns where you would not be able to leave. Is that correct? Would that be the right protocol? Yes. So I've heard there hasn't been anything like that since I have been here. But yes, I've heard stories from other teachers in the prison that like, yes, there have been times where like you are not able to leave. It happens pretty rarely these days, but yes, that could happen. My family is aware of that. So yeah, the schedule and the schedule's not, it's not super flexible. However, like I can, 
like next week I have an appointment. And so my principal approved my time off and I just, I'm leaving early. So I'm not teaching one of my classes, but as far as like stress, no, like I don't, the thing that one of my admin has told me in the prison, cause the thing like in the prison, there's still, it's like an adult school within the prison. And so we still, I still have a principal and a vice principal, but my vice principal is, you know, it's the priorities are safety, paperwork, and then teaching. So it's like, teaching is not the priority. And so as a teacher, that's that I'm not used to like, okay, well, teaching, I got to do the curriculum. But there is like, today, I had to fill do a bunch of paperwork. But again, it's just not that there's not that stress. I do get prep time during the day between classes. I don't have a traditional summer, like the public school, we do get time off. But it is definitely I work more days in the year. And I wasn't sure how that was going to be. This last summer, like I, it was a little sad that I wasn't off with my kids when they were off. But again, mine are older, so they're fine by themselves. But I didn't have any of the dread that I usually have at the end of the summer about like, oh my God, I have to go back to school. What a, like, wasn't any of that. I was like, okay, just going back. Like, it's not a big deal. And then I'm assuming you still do have like traditional holidays off. Yeah. And is there room for growth? Is there regular salary increases? Like, what does this look like for a long-term potential for you? So that's a good question. That was another thing. So the where I am, like I when I came in, I got credit for, and this kind of goes back to what you're saying earlier. I got I was given credit for ten years experience, but with even just with ten years, it was a thirty thousand dollar jump from what I was making in the public school that I just left. There are salary increases. Like you can go into admin. I have again zero. I never had interest while I was a public school teacher. I have zero interest in the prison, but there are other positions within like education in the prison. You know, there different prisons are set up differently. And again, I only knowing some of the prisons in my state, I don't know all of them. I don't know how their state's run, but there's, you know, there's different sort of administrative support positions that are, you have to be a credentialed teacher. They're also at the state level. There are other positions. So yeah, there's definitely differences for me. As much as like teaching regular, like public school teaching is different every day. I mean, it's kind of the same thing in the prison. Sometimes we don't run because something has happened or, you know, there's staffing issues. And so we're not running or, or there's an emergency. And, you know, I, once I was teaching and we were, they were testing and something happened on another part of the prison. And so they were all called back to their housing. So one thing that you, if you're someone who likes to make a plan, it might not be for you. Because I don't think any teachers are <laughs> are necessarily used to all of their plans going smoothly. So like I have this same I've used the same plan book for 20 years now. Like I have the same plan book. I use it way less in the prison. Like I have a general idea of what I want to cover, but like it's like, oh, we may not teach today, so we'll get to it next week. Or someone's called out for you know, so it's you have to be okay with like the flexibility, which was a little bit of an adjustment for me. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, I'm not being held. Like, the thing that for me was the biggest thing is there's no, we have curriculum, like there are resources that we use, there is no pacing guide, you are not expected to cover certain things by certain times. The student enrollment is, I think they call it rolling, like someone could be come in or out at any time. So you just kind of recycle things and go through it. There is a lot of differentiation. So within my class, I might have some people working on this, some people working on this. So again, lots of similarities, but really different too. 
It sounds, and I know you've said it before, even when you were signing up to join us on the podcast, but it does sound like you found somewhere that was unexpected, but it is a better fit for you. I'm curious, it's one of my favorite questions to ask former teachers, but I'm curious what you learned about yourself during this process, because leaving is not easy and it brings out kind of aha moments about our own personal characteristics that we did not realize? Yeah, that's a really good question. I realized, I mean, I was so unhappy. Again, loved teaching for 16 years, like loved it. That's what I was going to do my entire life. And then in this other school where I was, was so unhappy. And like, to the point where my husband's like, we got to do something like this is, you have to like, get away from this. Breaking my contract mid-year was incredibly terrifying because it was like, oh my God, what if they don't let me? What if I lose this opportunity? So I realized I can do that. Like I can do, I, I was able to get through that. Like my stress levels was, were, <laughs> I think when I was going through that, I was getting like rashes and I was like, oh my God, I think I'm so stressed out. Like my body is manifesting this stuff. So to do that and then that it's okay to try new things and like even be terrified. And I mean, like walking onto the prison the first day, because honestly, when I interviewed, I interviewed at the prison, but I wasn't inside the walls of the prison. It was like at an admin building outside. And so to go onto the grounds of the prison the first time, and like, it's really weird. Like you walk around and you're like, Oh, I'm at a prison. Like (laughs) it's not a warm and fuzzy place. Like schools can be, it's a prison. There's a lot of concrete. It's real loud. You know, there's all sorts of things going on at all times. You see some crazy stuff that like, and again, I taught middle school for a long time. Like I thought I saw some crazy stuff then, but teaching at a prison, it's more. So I just, I guess I realized that like, I mean, I knew I was flexible, but it's just, I don't know, it's a whole new thing. And so to be, you know, have done one thing for 20 years and then do something, yes, related, but totally different. Like, oh okay, I can do this. Like, this is okay. I can make a change and like, be okay. And like, I think my family noticed it too. I mean, my kids, my own children are asking me, you know, like, did anything happen today at the prison? And, you know, but they see that I'm happier and that like, I'm not hating stuff. You know, I don't hate going into work. Like, you know, nobody likes getting up early, but I don't mind going in. It's fine. Well, I'm so happy that you were able to find something that continues to allow you to help other people and continue to teach because it sounds like you've said that over and over in this interview that teaching was something that you actually enjoyed and I'm just excited to see where you go if you continue to stay in this position and I'm just so grateful that you came on the podcast and taught us a little bit more about this type of path so thank you so much Jane for being here thank you for having me I want to give a huge thank you to Mrs. Jane Doe for coming on and sharing her story with this audience. We have put together an entire podcast playlist of all of our best podcasts. If you are just getting started with finding the Teacher Career Coach podcast, that might be a really helpful resource for you to figure out what are going to be the best episodes for you to listen to right now, especially if you're on a time crunch. So head over to teachercareercoach.com forward slash playlist and you can find our top podcast episodes in the different categories that are going to be the best fits for you. 
Thank you so much for being a listener of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Thank you.